0: We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see. We want to see. We want to see Jesus
1: lifted high. Are you happy to be in God's house this morning? Let's lift his name up. We want to see Jesus lifted high. I'm a better
0: Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. And Step by step we're moving forward. Little
2: Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Good. It's good to see you guys. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad that you're here. If you are new with us uh, this morning or been new for a few weeks, we're just so thankful that you're here. And uh, if you could come and meet me at the end of the service, I'd love to say hello to you. Um, I got a couple things I got to announce, okay? So there's a Summer Vibes event that's going to be going on at the end of our month and it's going to be last Sunday, and there's these clipboards that are over on the Connect table. And it's not as if I need you to sign up to do something. I need you to sign up so we could get a head count of our food that we're going to provide for you. So we're excited to be able to provide some great food, but we want to get a headcount. So if you know that you're coming, or even if you kind of assume that you're going to be making it, would you stop by the Connect table right outside there in the lobby, and would you just go ahead and sign up? How many people are coming in your family party? That would be Awesome, and then uh, just really excited about uh, hanging out with some college and career folks this afternoon. So if you're part of college and career, uh, please come and hang out with us. We're going to take you over to Outlanders and uh, have a good time, just getting to know you and getting to meet you a little bit. So, so grateful you guys are here. As Kelly said, is it good to be in God's house? I hope it is for you. Um, so would you do me a favor? Would you just say hello to some people around you and just say welcome to Sunset Hills.
1: Sing along with us this morning. For all that you've done, I will thank you.
0: For all that you're going to do, All that you've promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank
1: you. Do you have something to be thankful for this morning? I thank you. Thank you.
0: sin and a peace that
1: So grateful this morning, Lord, just to bask in Your goodness, Lord. I'm so grateful that on my fastest day, God, I cannot outrun Your goodness. That God, Your goodness chases after me. God, I'm so undeserving, but Lord, You're so merciful and faithful. God for that I'm so grateful this morning Lord as we enter in this time of just spoken word through worship Lord I just pray that you anoint Pastor Steve God give him words that will encourage our hearts this morning God Lord if you speak to our hearts Lord let us be obedient if you call us to something God let us be bold let us respond God if there's one here that is not recognizing your goodness today or the goodness that you sent your one and only son Jesus so that when we leave this world that we don't have to live in a devil's hell but God we can spend eternity in heaven with you. Lord I just pray if there's one here that's never said yes to you today could be their day we love you and we're so grateful for all your blessings in Jesus name we pray amen you may be seated this morning
3: I'm kind of curious I was listening to your prayer Kelly and I was just thinking that that phrase that you use on your fastest day you can never outrun God I was thinking that is very much true and I'm grateful for that on the other hand, I was thinking, on my fastest day today, what can I outrun? And there's not much. I mean, I think a turtle is faster than me these days. Yeah, you kind of hit that age, you know, where it's just, you know, I was fast when I was younger. But those days are gone, I believe. Yeah, I'm fast, I just can't run far. That's it. That's what the is. We've been in a series for the past several weeks called Three Words. Either I have chosen words found in the Bible that are very powerful words, usually spoken by Jesus, that have contained either a sentence or a phrase that we preached from. And on occasion, I've had some folks who have sent me suggestions of three words that they thought were important to them or meaningful for them, just to refresh your memory. We've been doing this for about six weeks now, and we started with ask, seek, and knock. Then we talked about God so loved the world, which is really the basis for everything that we do today. It's because of His love for us. Then we looked at inward, outward, and you know what? On that particular Sunday, I left one word out. I don't think you noticed. Nobody said that that you noticed, but I left out one word, and that was upward. Anybody notice that? Yeah, well, I see how well you listen. And uh, then we went to It Is Finished and took a couple of weeks and looked at greatest of these. Last week it was Do Not Fear. And the three words that I've chosen for the day no one has suggested to me. This trilogy of words actually might be some of the most difficult actions that we as believers can uh, try to do maybe we don't i think maybe most of us really do a pretty poor job uh, of taking this doing this command maybe we even choose these words to ignore and pretend that they're not even in the bible before i tell you what these words are i want you to know that these words actually were a command of jesus which says that we don't have a choice in doing this action that he tells us to do. It's hard, I will say, on my part, it's hard on all of our parts, to actually do these words. In fact, I'd venture to say when Jesus shared these words with his crowd that there were many of those folks who looked back at him and said, Really? Maybe left them scratching their heads, thinking, how am I supposed to do that? I would venture to say that many of us today sort of share those same feelings about what the words are that Jesus tells us to do. And I'll admit they're pretty difficult to do. Okay, So what are the three words I'm talking about? Love your enemies. Hmm. Anybody have a hard time loving your enemies? Oh come on! There's like three of you that raised your hand. Love your. In- I'm just wondering when I or you said those words or you saw those words, did someone or a face pop into your mind? Well, I see one hand, the person admitting that. I'm sure that there are others, right? And maybe somebody's popped into your mind, uh, and, and, and possibly this, immediately you started to rebel against the notion that uh, you are to love your neighbor. I love your, uh, not neighbors, enemies. Okay, God tells you to love your enemies. Jesus tells us that. your neighbor. I'm going to get it right here in a second. Your neighbors, your enemies, you're supposed to love them all. That's what he says. And maybe you even thought this that I really didn't come today to the church to hear a sermon on loving your enemies. Well, guess what? You're here and you're going to hear it anyway, all right? If you did that, then I suspect you might have had the same kind of response that possibly the listeners had when Jesus said those three words, love your enemies. How in the world do you expect me to love someone who is my enemy? Maybe you're thinking that. You don't have a clue as to how that person has hurt me. How can I love someone who is really so unlovable doesn't deserve an ounce of my love because of how they've treated me. You might be thinking some of those thoughts. Really? You're saying that I'm supposed to love my enemies? Yes, we really are supposed to love our enemies. As I said earlier, many Christians, I think, act as if Jesus doesn't give us this command. We'd rather it be said, I'll love people that are easy to love and just forget about those that I have difficulty with. Take it a step further who are against me. I just stay away from those kind of people. I just avoid them, and I get it. And I admit that I need this sermon as much as you do because I'm much like the guy that I'm about to tell you about. Late one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska, there was a weary truck driver that pulled his rig into one of those all-night truck stops for the restaurant. The waitress had just served him with three tough-looking leather-jacketed motorcyclists of the Hells Angels type, decided to give this truck driver a hard time Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed his hamburger and off his plate, another took a handful of his French fries, and the third picked up his coffee and started drinking it. How would you respond if this happened to you? Well, this trucker did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, picked up his check, walked to the front of the room, put the check and the money down on the cash register, and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in, uh, him to, in the till and stood out watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. And when she returned, one of the bikers said to her, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a, check, a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way <laughs> out of the parking lot. Uh, is that not the way we want to respond, really? I mean, that seems like justice to me, right? When things, someone wrongs us, the first instinct is to give them back. To make sure that we hurt them as much as they hurt us. Maybe we don't think that. But what we might do is revel in the fact that something bad has happened to them at some point in time in the future that we find out about. Come on now. That, that's, a, isn't that a, that's a Sam Melton phrase, in it? Come on now. Come on. Yeah. Our first instinct is maybe to get back even with them or hope that someone else does. But Jesus, on the other hand... He gives His followers a different response that they're to have. He tells us we're to love our enemies. Let's go to the Scripture and find out where He said this. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. But to you who are listening, He said, Now, listen to what I have to say here. Take note. This is important, I say. Love your enemies. Now, it would be one thing if he just stopped there. Love your enemies. As if there was, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you love your enemies. But then he goes on, he says, more about this. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. There's a whole lot there. I'm not going to get to all of it. But it's pretty evident that Jesus is saying, give us instructions on how we're to treat our enemies. He goes on, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, Do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. just as your Father is merciful. Wow. I mean, could it be any clearer than that? Love your enemies. Now, some of you might think, well, I don't have to worry about this because I don't have any enemies. You know, in a way, you could be right. There's a story about a man who was sitting in church one day and the pastor was preaching on loving your enemies and he decided that he would take a poll of his congregation and he said, raise your hands if you have lots of enemies, a few hands went up, then raise your hands if you have just a few enemies, a bunch of hands went up and then he said, raise your hands if you have no enemies enemies at all An old man in the back was the only one to raise his hand the pastor said mr jones what is your secret to having not one single enemy the old man stood up and he says i've outlived them all <laughs> i won't say what was said but he said, I just outlived them all. I guess it's possible to be here and not one single person comes to mind when you would that you would consider your enemy. I'm sure that may be true. Admittedly, enemy is a pretty strong word, and we don't really want to think about people who are enemies. So let's soften it a bit and change it to who is the person or persons that you really don't like as far as you're concerned you hope no good ever comes to them anybody pop in your mind well that really is your enemy maybe not your enemy in the same kind of way that we picture an enemy but you wouldn't consider them to be your friend and you just wouldn't give them the time of day I propose to you that if, that's a, if you have a person like that in your life, then they really are an enemy. If someone came to mind, then this sermon's for you. But before I move on, if you're here and you say you don't have any enemies, I want to correct that because it isn't true. If you're a Christian, you have enemies. Just because you are a Christ follower, you have enemies. You may not know them personally, but you have enemies. The non-Christian world, especially in today's time, it's always been this way. But it seems to be more evident today than in any of my lifetime, the non-Christian world considers us, believers in Jesus Christ, to be enemies. We live in a world right now that detests Jesus' followers. Christians have enemies... And they're speaking very loudly of their disdain toward us. Amen? So the question is, how are we going to respond to people like this or people that we personally know that really would be our enemy? And Jesus tells us how to do it. He starts by saying, love your enemy. It's one thing to love people who love us back. But to love someone who you consider as an enemy or someone who considers you an enemy, well, that's pretty radical. It's as radical as when he redefined who neighbors, who your neighbors are in the story of the Good Samaritan. It's almost a a parallel here. The kind of love, this kind of love that was showered on the the Samaritan was not what was expected. And just like this, in loving our enemies, it's not the love that it's expected. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, We're told to do this because he teaches us to. It's required of us. So if you want one good reason as to why you should love your enemy, then the first and most important reason is this, because Jesus tells us to. It's pretty simple. We're to love our enemy simply because he says do it. It is a requirement of God. 1 John 4, 20 says this, If anyone says, I love God, watch this, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, wait a minute. This verse that John has written says, hates his brother. He's not talking about enemy here. I mean, Come on, he's talking about it's your brother. I, I, if, let me back it up to say this. If we love God, we're to love who He loves. Go back to the sermon of the greatest of these when Jesus is talking about love and remember what He says. Love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important. This is the first on any list, but there's a second to set alongside it. Love others. Wait a minute. There you go. Others. That's pretty inclusive. It's not picking out a few that you like. It's not picking out just your friends or your family. Others certainly would cover Loving your enemies. So I propose to you that when he's saying, you can't hate your brother and love God, that you can include this in there that says, you can't hate your enemy and love God. It's a prerequisite. You have to love others. It goes on to say, as yourself. Pretty sure you, when he uses the word others... It included those that you would consider as your enemy. And then he says this do good to those who hate you. Now that's pretty powerful. You I mean I'm to love them and then I'm to turn around and show some more action by doing what? Good? Two-forward benefit as to doing good to your enemy first one is this it's good for them do good to others becomes good for them when you return good for evil it throws the other person off it's not what they expect they really expect you to to give them what they gave you but when you give good for evil, it's a it's a sacrificial kind of love that that actually we talked about a few weeks ago from first Corinthians 13 that that a gape love of loving people who don't deserve it. It's taking the high road. It's choosing to love rather than giving them what they might expect. You know what the word is for that? Revenge. After all, that's how the world reacts. But we, what we, what if we start reacting differently in a way that they're not expecting? This has a potential to become the most powerful form of witness that they may ever see. Remember the little song that we used to sing: "We are one in the spirit." We are one in the Lord. Anybody remember that song? Anybody? There's a few of us. You know what, Kelly? You know it? You didn't raise your hand. <laughs> we are one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. We're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. That's the way it goes. And then it goes to the chorus. And they'll know... You know the rest of it? They are, we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. It's a witness to change how they view us that gets it directed off of us and starts directing it toward who Jesus is. It's the love of Jesus that is shining through us. We should love our enemies because that proves we are children of the heavenly Father. Here's what Matthew five forty four and forty five says: "But I say, love your enemies." Pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for He gives His sunlight to both evil and to the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Who knows? Maybe your actions might be the very thing that causes them to develop a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. This is loving as the Father has loved us. Loving as God loves gives evidence that we really, truly are His children. And when our life uh, reflects God's love and actions toward others, it proves that that life is matured in the relationship with Jesus Christ. When we love and pray for enemies, we're showing the world who we really are, or lack of it, or not. And it becomes very radical, almost a crazy thing to do. So it's good to love those who hate you. It helps them. Watchman Nee told a story of a Chinese Christian man. Who once owned a rice paddy next to his? The story goes that the man irrigated his paddy by pumping water out of a canal, and every day, the after the Christian had pumped enough water to fill his paddy, the communist man would come out, remove the boards, and keep the water in his. Uh, in his neighbor's paddy, and allow the water to drain. That it's, uh, he would move, remove the boards that kept the water there in, in the Christian man's paddy, and every day he would drain it uh, uh, so he wouldn't have to go out and pump the water. It would flow into his paddy, And this continued for some time until the Christian was just fed up with it. And he prayed, Lord, if this keeps up, I'm going to lose all of my rice, maybe even my field, What can I do? And the Lord responded by putting this thought in his mind. So the next morning, the Christian man got up early, did as he normally did. He started pumping water into his, not his patty, but the neighbor's patty first, the communist man. Then he replaced the boards and pumped the water into his patty. And the result was that both patties became productive, and the communist man was moved by the neighbor's loving action. And the result of that was this. The two men became friends, and eventually the communist man became a follower of Jesus. You never know what your actions are going to cause. And then here's the second reason. It's good for them, and it's good for us. It's good for you. When Jesus calls us to love those who hate us, He's calling us to do something that is totally contrary to our human nature. The usual revenge. And when someone messes with us, we want to put the hammer down on them, run over their motorcycles, sort of speak. At the very uh, least, we, we should basically treat them the way that they treat us. That's what we believe. And the thought is that if we get back at them, they won't mess with us anymore. Plus, we think that revenge is sweet. It's going to make us feel better. But truly, it doesn't. Now, here's something even of greater importance. Nothing good comes from hatred. We let that seed of revenge begin to, to, to grow in us and we get to a point of a, of, of a form of hatred and nothing good comes from it. Have you ever noticed that when you're angry with someone it becomes a focus in your life at that particular moment? Anybody ever experienced that? You, you begin to just think on that situation doesn't matter what's going on around you your, your thoughts and your focus are totally on that person who's wronged you and you become trapped with that hatred towards someone or that disdain towards someone that it begins to be very difficult to function and do other things and then if you keep letting it build up in you it begins to interfere with your ability to be a follower of, of God it potentially destroys us physically. You let that hatred build up and all sorts of other damages start to happen in your physical health such as heart disease or blood pressure, headaches, breakdown of your immune system. It's been proven that those things will begin to happen if we allow hatred to exist in our in our hearts. But it also can destroy us emotionally. It wears you out. It makes your judgment less effective, leading to other bad decisions. And oftentimes, the result of of hatred becomes outbursts that cause us to be maybe embarrassed or have difficulties in relationships with others. It can lead to feelings of guilt and depression. Another side of effect is it always of always being angry is that having an intense hit hatred? It spreads to other people around us. Worse yet, hatred destroys you spiritually. We're told throughout the Bible that God is love, and there's no room for hatred. And if we're harboring hatred in our hearts, we're living contrary to, to what God's command is for us to love each other. And the result of that becomes a disconnect in the relationship with God. The writer of, of the 66th Psalm, Psalm, probably David, understood the need for a clean heart. He said this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He said, if I've got this sin in my heart, it's going to separate. It's going to hurt. It's going to cause division in my relationship with God. And, and and says it won't answer your prayers. Wonder if you've got some prayers that you've been praying, possibly that God's not answered yet, because you have sin in your heart or hatred in your heart. But on the contrary. James tells us the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Doing good to my enemies is good for me and my relationship with God. So it does just as much good for us when we're able to love our enemies. Another reason for loving my enemies is because Jesus declares it. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything in return. Now watch this. Then your reward will be great. I'm not suggesting that you should be good to your enemies just to get a reward. What I am saying is, you be good to your enemies because you love your enemies because that's what Jesus tells us to do. And when we do that, God rewards us for doing good. He will reward me for loving my enemies. There's a reward. God knows how difficult it is for us to do this thing that Jesus tells us to do. And He specifically promised He would reward us for making the effort. And what does that reward look like? I can't say exactly. I don't know how God's specifically going to reward you for loving your enemies. But it could be like this in general... With His favor. He rewards you with His favor. A blessing in some miraculous way. Maybe it looks like this, where you have peace in your, in your being, peace in your soul. Or it could be strength to live with at peace with others. Gives you patience to deal with a situation. When you're striving to love your enemy, that God comes along and says, I see your effort. I'm going to give you an extra measure of peace because of what you're doing. A good feeling of holy accomplishment. What do I mean by that? It's receiving a great feeling of knowing that I accomplished an overwhelming form of hatred with God's help that I could not do otherwise. You ever had that happen? God puts someone in your life and it's very difficult living with them or getting along with them and you don't like them. You would be considered your, uh, uh, your enemy and, and, and you say, God, I don't feel good about this, but I'm going to do my very best to really work at this. And God comes on and says, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to give you what you need in that particular situation. And then he, he, you, you get into a situation and you handle it in a way that is loving and affirming to that person. And you walk away and say, wow, I can't believe I did that. Man, it feels so good. Maybe it's the wonderful feeling of knowing that you're able to forgive someone who's mistreated you. And that person responds positively and because of that you gain a, a friend or a brother or a sister i don't know how he's going to reward you it's he's infinitely able to do so it's his prerogative to do so but we have this promise that says if you love your enemies god says i'm going to reward you second Chronicles sixteen nine says For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Jesus says so much in this. He said, like in verse 27, "...do good to those who hate you." Verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Verse 29, turn the other cheek if they strike you. Give your cloak and if in your tunic. Verse 30, give of your goods. Expect no return. Pretty radical examples of just how far. where to go? And then he caps it off with this. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Did we not learn that in like second grade or first grade when we were children? Something we learned long ago that scripture records sounds very familiar to this. Love others as well as you love yourself one of those two greatest commandments and what does that require selflessness rather than being self-centered in the faith that we become also Christ-centered Jesus modeled how we're to do this we're to love and imitate Christ in all that we do i read a story about a teacher of a Sunday school class who was known for his elaborate object lessons and one particular Sunday on the wall was a big target and on a nearby table were a bunch of darts the teacher told his students to draw a picture of someone that they disliked or someone who had made them angry and he would allow them Time during class to go and pick some darts and throw at the picture. So, one of the girls drew a picture of another girl who had stolen her boyfriend. Someone else drew a picture of his little brother. One even drew a picture of the teacher. And the class lined up and began throwing darts, and everyone got into the fun. Some of the students threw their darts with such force that their targets were, the targets were ripping apart. And when everyone had their turn at throwing the darts, the teacher began removing the pictures from the target that he took down. And the whole room reacted and gasped when they saw that under the target was a picture of Jesus. The teacher spoke these words, these simple words to the class. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Jesus gives one more admonition to his listeners. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. It's a powerful story published by the Voice of Martyrs of an African boy named Damar. He was a slave that, who, had been, who had angered his Muslim master by attending a church service. So his owner took him out into the wilderness, nailed his feet and knees to a board, and left him to die. Fortunately, someone found him and nursed him back to health. DeMar later told the Voice of the Martyrs that he forgave the person who did this to him. They asked him, why? He simply said, because Jesus was nailed and forgave him. That young man knew what it was like to be like his Heavenly Father who our Heavenly Father is able to love, enemies. In fact, we all have been enemies with God at one time or another. Romans 5.10 says this, While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved from Him? His, with his shall we be saved through his life. So before you and I became Christians, we were all shown mercy. Because we were enemies with God. And if we're going to be like God, we need to realize that being like God means that we're to forgive. Forgive our enemies just like God forgave his. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Easy thing to do? Absolutely not. But not impossible. This past week, Several local news stations, including WKRN News 2, ran a story about a little girl by the name of Talia Frazier. Maybe you heard about or saw the story. A little girl who was killed in a drive-by shooting that happened on May 30th. Metro police said Talia was riding in the back seat of a car that was stopped at a red light when two men reportedly got out of the car and shot more than 20 rounds into the vehicle Terry Dixon, Talia's great grandfather, said he was devastated by the loss and he and his loved ones are processing her death. He says this in quote, "Talia was like our daughter." Leah lived with us. She was here through the weekdays and the weeknights, white nights, said Dixon. She was a cheerful baby, loved everybody. He had these words, the story goes on, for the suspected shooters. I do not hate the individuals that done this to my granddaughter. I hope that they would finally own this, because they got to do that, not me. I can't get to heaven with that hatred in my heart. I want to speak straight to the camera, and I want them to know, if you're hearing this and you're seeing this, my friend, please. I forgive you. I cannot have hurtful feelings toward you. It's now up to you to forgive yourself. If you want, stop by my house. Have no resentment toward you or anyone else involved in this, and I would tell you what I've seen on that, my friend. We can't have this power to forgive, to love our enemies without having the power of god to do it would you bow your heads in prayer throughout scripture father we've seen men and women who have really put to the test of being able to love those who did things to them that were terrible terrible Imprisonment, it wasn't deserved, beatings, sufferings. Men and women who did it because they had a love for Christ. And they had a bigger mission in life. And that was to share their own experience of how God rescued them, how Jesus loved them. And in turn, Father, they loved others. The greatest example of all was what Jesus did. Enemies He had for certain who were nailing Him to the cross. And even as they were pounding the nails through His flesh, Jesus was praying, Father, forgive them. I pray that that's our heart, that that's our mission, as followers of Jesus Christ. I pray that somehow, Father, you'll just speak to us this morning, that if there is someone whose face popped into our mind when we heard the words, love your na- your enemies, Father, I pray that somehow we'll be able to reach out and do what Christ did. Offer forgiveness. Move past resentment. Truly love, as Jesus set the example for us. It starts with that relationship with you to have that faith to be able to step out if we're afraid to do it and say I need you to be with me I need you to give me courage to help me do the thing that I can't do by myself if you're here today and you have some business to do with God here in this time of invitation I encourage you to do it, it may require you to come to this altar and, and spend on time on your knees in prayer Or, if you'd like I'd be happy to pray with you about something if you've never given your heart to Jesus that's where it starts I encourage you to do that today as we stand and as we sing
0: who has the power to raise the dead and who can save us from our sin he is our hope our righteousness jesus only jesus that up. Um...
1: challenging us with that this morning. Um, I want to say thank you for those of you who um, invested time this past week in Vacation Bible School, and that was an exciting time, and um, I know that that was an encouraging week to so many young people, and uh, we just appreciate giving your time there, and uh, we're excited about that. This time tomorrow, um, we're going to have 30 students in Smithville, Tennessee at Cane Hollow retreat and, uh, for student camp. And, uh, I know some of you, a lot of you actually have given so much, uh, time and, and baked goods and other things, uh, to make that just an amazing week. And so, uh, we just covet your prayers. We just pray that, um, encourage you to pray that, that God would just, uh, have us seek his plan for our lives this coming week and, uh, that we would yield to, uh, to his leading there. Um, I want to introduce Mr. Bryce Crawford. He just flew in this morning. Uh, he's going to be a uh, stand-up Bryce, so everybody can see you there. Bryce is going to be our uh, camp pastor, and uh, Bryce is, uh, has a full summer slated with lots of speaking engagements. And somehow we were able to carve a whole week of his time out uh, to be with us. And uh, he has a, a beautiful, yeah, a beautiful heart for the Lord and a strong testimony. And uh, so we're. Uh, I know that he's going to be such a great encouragement to our students this week. Stand with us as we uh, close in prayer. I uh, do want to remind you again on the 25th of June. Don't forget, um, it is Sunset Summer Vibes, and uh, we're going to be gearing up for that. It's just a, a family fun day, and that will be right after church. So we encourage you to mark that uh, on your calendars and save that day. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, Lord, the love that you modeled. Uh, Because God, at some point in time in our lives, uh, we were all your enemy. But God, you loved us so much and you never stopped loving us. So God, just let us, uh, Lord, just take the love that you've shown us and just replicate that, duplicate that and everyone uh, that we come in contact with here this week. We love you so much and just uh, thank you, God, for what you have in store for us. Until we meet again. Let us lift up your kingdom. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615 776 1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you hey if you're in the neighborhood we'd love to see you in person you can join us for life groups at 9 a.m or blended worship at 10 a.m and let me say this from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience we have a place for you you know i believe that we're living in unprecedented times people all around us are looking for sources of hope and you and i we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.